welcome to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. What's up? Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Got another show for you today. I'm very excited about it. Today's show, we've got a two-part segment. It's going to be, uh, the first segment is something I'm kind of looking at is uh, Dynasty, you know, hype train rookies and whether I feel like they're, they're going to be worth that ticket price. And I got two hype train rookie running backs uh, one of the guys I don't feel like he's worth the, the purchase price, and one guy I do. So we're going to talk about them. And then in the second part of the episode, I'm going to talk. Uh, we we talked trade in the last episode, and we talked about negotiation and how we can kind of uh, get out there and set our anchor. And, and I kind of talked in in, in more uh, vague terms, in terms of just kind of a generalized ideas. I kind of had an epiphany on how to use Twitter how to get a much clearer answer on exactly what kind of anchor and where we want to set that anchor and, and the different ideas that we can get. I mean, it's just going to be a huge resource, and I'm very excited about it, and I've already got some things I put out on Twitter that gave me some feedback. So we'll be talking about that in the second part of the episode. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into the podcast. Um, so like I said, Hype Train Rookies, Go start with the hype train rookie that I am not buying the ticket for. He's a hype train guy. He's a running back. And uh, he's 5'9", 200 pounds. He's a running back out of Memphis, Daryl Henderson. The thing about Daryl Henderson is I like him. I liked what I saw as far as statistics. He he really, I mean, if you just talk about his good, he had like almost nine yards of carry for the last two seasons. He had 22 touchdowns in the last season. So a lot of things that you can look at and you go, wow, this eye-popping numbers. He's done it in the last two seasons. He's coming out as a junior. Um, he's 200 pounds, so he's not small. Though he's not you know, really a, a big back. He does catch the ball well. So yeah, okay, I like what I see. So then I start watching tape, and I just can't get over his running style. I, I, I swear, if you've if you ever seen these gifs of, of like one of those lizards just running on its two hind feet, just kind of da, 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 da. and they're really fast, but they just look like if you threw something in front of them, they would just kind of like try to shift to the side and just completely topple over. It's kind of how I feel like every time I see Daryl Henderson run, I feel like he's just very upright. He It's almost like he's laboring. His upper body is working even harder than his lower body for some reason. Uh, it just looks, like I said, it looks like I can't get that, that image out of my head of this gecko just running really fast, da, 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 da. but no, you know, no control, no, and you know, I was really convinced, like I'm out on this guy, I've got no interest. It wasn't until the combine when I, you know, he put up pretty decent numbers, and I think that was to be expected. In fact, I think some people thought he was much faster than he actually showed up, and that's that's one thing right there. He's not that fast. Uh, Mike Weber put up, I think, the same speed number, and doesn't have nearly the the same numbers in terms of just nine gaudy nine yard per carry kind of numbers and that points to memphis and everything as well but what i what i made note of was mjd maurice jones drew was there and he was talking about how great contact balance daryl henderson had and he mentioned it a couple times and i thought to myself am i missing something so i went back and watched him a little bit because i'm thinking you know maurice jones drew if he thinks that you know he's got great contact balance maybe i'm missing something and then i kind of noticed he does have good contact balance he will get run into and kind of bounce off and keeps his feet moving or kind of it doesn't even, they're not moving, it's just strange, it's different than a lot of people I've seen, he doesn't, but he really still doesn't have that, that side cut ability, he doesn't seem like he has a lot of stability or balance, he, his running style does not seem like uh, he's under control, for me, you know, when you see these other running backs running 4-6 and everything, people kind of go, oh, he's slow, but 4 seconds and a little over a half is what 4.6 seconds is. And 4.5 is 4.5 seconds. So you're talking about in a straight line up 40 yards, 
one guy ran a little less than a half second, you know, like not even a tenth of a half second. Or when you're talking about in in the the battle between the guards and the tackles and all those things, that becomes very less important, so much less important. So I'm not so worried about the speed factor. I'm worried about a guy who can run fast or fast enough and still have stability under him. And I see skinny little legs. I don't see the kind of base that I like from a running back. I see. Um, so when I look at him, I don't see many comparisons that I can think in my head like this guy is that, you know, there's a guy like him in the NFL right now. I don't see it. I see him, you know, maybe I'm just kind of like misreading him. But when I watch him, I just my eyes cannot put it together to see somebody who's going to be um, anything more than a complimentary piece at best. Um, and maybe he's explosive and maybe he catches passes and he maybe he finds that right that right spot but right now he's going in the first round he's a first round pick pretty much at the end of the first round a lot of people are taking him as you know third running back off the board fourth running back he's you know i that's where i can't i can't buy in on that i just don't think he's worth that kind of value we're talking about if you look at the free agent class that's coming out and none of these guys have signed there's a lot of talented running backs just in the free agent class and when all these guys go and settle and then you look at the rookies coming in and all, and the, then you talk about the 2020, the nothing that's coming. The nothing is coming in 2020. Believe it. And that's one more factor that why would I want to spend my first round pick on a guy that I think is questionable in a good situation or questionable when, when everything's going, um, going right. I don't see him being a bell cow in any possible way. So that's like there's no ceiling there. Anyway, I think I made my point. I, I think Daryl Henderson is a fine player. Um, I'm glad that he's getting some hype because it just allows him to move up the board. And he's one of the few, honestly, as I look at the first round, I'm kind of fading on Hakeem Butler a little bit. I feel like he's getting a little more hype than I want to pay. I'm finding that Nikhil Harry we've talked about before. So there's going to be guys, when you hear me talk about uh, players that I'm off and I'm on, I've already talked about some players. So my list is going to get shorter and it's going to be uh, less pronounced. But I do, I think, you know, Kelvin Harmon is another one that, it's not that I don't like these players. I just don't know. I keep finding myself saying, well, I hope someone else takes them. And one of these other guys, uh, like Paris Campbell or A.J. Brown, somebody falls to me. And that's where it's just kind of just as I look at the first round, I do see a lot of guys that I I think are valuable even into the first, late first, early second. Um, There's a lot of guys I like. I'm looking for ones that stand out that I don't like. Um, And Daryl Henderson happens to be one of those that I just, he stands out that I just don't love him. And I I would prefer someone else take him, uh, leaving someone else get pushed back a little bit to me. Now for the second guy, the the guy that I, I think that there is a little hype on him. He's the hype train player right now in, in the running back. Is, is one of the running backs, but I also feel like the ticket price has not gotten to the point where I'm not, you know, I'm, I haven't convinced myself that I might not take that shot. Just depends on how far that hype train goes and kind of some of these factors how they work in. We'll find out also with the NFL draft. But that is Justice Hill, uh, running back for Oklahoma State University. I feel like he. You know, I've already talked about him a little bit, how a lot of the arrow signs are pointing up, and I've watched some more tape on him, and I really feel like uh, he's got some really special in his game. And really further to my point, and I'm going to kind of take us on a side note here, and then we'll come back to Justice Hill. Uh, part of the reason I'm being more convinced on a player like Justice Hill is because, and we've talked about Philip Lindsay on multiple occasions, and it's because I feel like the league is a copycat league, and there are guys that kind of make an impact in different ways. And there's two things that I want to point out to you. Uh, that, that make me kind of see maybe a shift in the way the league is doing its dynamic. You know, we've talked about in the last podcast or two or three, who knows how many more, uh, about uh, Bryce Love and how, you know, I thought maybe he would be a good viable candidate. And I keep on mentioning Philip Lindsay. It's not because I think all these guys are like Philip Lindsay. In fact, it's more that I think that the league um, 
we've always assumed that I, I want to just kind of share an idea I've been thinking about and wondering if, if it, you know, if this makes any sense or if this is kind of could be shifting the dynamic of how these players are actually being used. And that is, you know, we oftentimes think of it as like a, a first and second down back and then a third down back. And oftentimes the first and second down back is the kind of guy who you rely on more for the, the run up the middle and, and the kind of chugging of the carrying of the load per se. And then the third down back is the guy who can, you know, he has to be sufficient in pass blocking because you're a lot of times passing, but he's also needs to be sufficient in pass catching because a lot of times he's going to be an outlet pass or a guy who's going out on, on routes. So it, to me, I've kind of seen this thing where not only are we going more to a passing league so that more of these downs are being more and more of these downs are becoming passing downs. But I don't know if you pay attention to sharp football statistics, but you should. And if you do, you'll notice that he's always been talking about the fact that first downs have always been a notoriously overused for running plays. And their efficiency is really not very good. And the efficiency of passing on first downs is actually really good because of that. And the more teams have started passing on first downs, the more success they've had. And this last year, it was kind of at a pinnacle to this point where now teams are starting to shift and they're doing more passing on first down and it's becoming more successful. So then it makes, this is kind of where my point is going, whereas a guy like Philip Lindsay doesn't necessarily have to be your third down back. He can be your first and third down back. A guy who can run the ball up the middle, a guy who can also catch the ball, a guy who's sufficient in pass blocking, So and you're going to be doing enough passing on first down that he can be out there and viable and also you know you can have him as a, as a running threat uh, you still have an opportunity to to spell him uh, with your other secondary more kind of whatever balanced back that you're able to get for your, for your depth on your team and that guy can you know take second downs and sometimes the guy can take first downs or sometimes he can take second and third downs depending on his skill set but if you see where I'm going where now because the league is getting more specialized and there aren't that many guys that um, really warrant getting the entire load as that premier back that it really makes a lot of sense that some of these guys who are really talented who are really um, have explosion in their game and have the ability to catch the ball and have the ability to, you know, have the willingness to block. They're doing everything enough. They're just maybe not, uh, they can't do it on every play. So you find a way, like I said in a few podcasts ago, optimize that. Get them out on the field. Use them in the key situations, which isn't always just third down. It means first and third down. So I want to start thinking about it in terms of maybe maybe the league is shifting a little bit. Maybe it's no longer first and second down and third down back. Maybe there's a new dynamic coming in that's the first and third down back. And these guys, kind of the scat, it's the, you know, however you want to just call it, it's, it's what it is. It's this valuable asset to us as fantasy players because the big plays are there, um, the opportunity for receptions. And so let's, before I get back to Justice Hill, let's shift over to Phyllis Lindsay for a second. I want to talk about Lindsay. I've defended him and I have tons of shares of him. So it's, I am very biased on this. I have 10 shares of Philip Lindsay of my 15 dynasty leagues. I actually have 16 dynasty leagues. Or I had 16 dynasty I have one league that's a 32-team league and it's a salary league. Uh, so basically nobody is kept in terms of, you know, like any ability to keep players for long term. So I don't really consider it. And I've dropped out after this year anyway. But 15 leagues, I have 10 shares of Philip Lindsay. That, uh, that I keep, that I get to have forever. So I am very, very biased. I, I don't know that I even need to buy more shares of him. So I'm not even convinced that I need, that I'm necessarily buying on him. But I saw something on Twitter the other day that was uh, Devonta Freeman or Philip Lindsay. That was the question. And I took Philip Lindsay and it was literally 50-50. And I thought to myself, well, I just, I just said I'm buying Devonta Freeman. And if they're equally valued, then I guess I'm buying Philip Lindsay too. 
And I think what my sales pitch on buying Philip Lindsay, and I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't go pay a lot. I see him being, you know, in a third round startup. I think that's too rich for my blood. I haven't really looked over the ADP and seen uh, exactly who's going in that range, but I have the feeling there's probably some receivers and other guys I'm willing to take bets on just because running backs get injured. I mean, he's not very big. We saw his wrist injury. There's, there's only so much capital we want to put in running backs. Once somebody else gets these studs, uh, we sometimes have to let them go and let somebody else have that value uh, just because we don't want to go pay them to take it away from them. We'd rather just try to organically grow our own running backs. It's just the best way to do it. But if you want to just decide, is Philip Lindsay going to be valuable? If you have him on his roster, on your roster, I think that you should consider this because I've heard through all the podcasts so much this offseason, Philip Lindsay's name has been thrown about maybe the number one fade, the number one guy that everyone's saying, I'm going to sell this guy. I'm done. I think he's at his max peak. I'm going to get out while I can. It's all Royce Freeman. It's this and that. That's fine if you feel that way. I can see where you're coming from. There are some good arguments there, but I don't feel that way. And let me tell you why. Philip Lindsay showed not only was he a pro bowler last year, and he came out and just dominated the league as an undrafted free agent, and he was the key to the Broncos' offense. And people say he slowed down at the end of the season, but I'm a Broncos fan. Let me tell you, they sucked at the end of the season, and they, they, there was no other weapon but Philip Lindsay because Case Keenum couldn't get the ball down the field, and the receivers were young and inexperienced and weren't getting open for him or were running the wrong routes or whatever. It was just a mess, and yet the only, the only guy that the whole team rallied around, the whole team believed, uh, we put the ball in this guy's hands and he can make something happen, it was Philip Lindsay. And then on top of that, you add in the fact that they barely used him at one of his most valuable resources. That's his catching the ball, his ability to get out of the backfield. If you watch this guy run routes and you watch him, he's seamless, he's amazing, he's got great hands, he's going to be a huge force in the passing game if a coach knows how to use him in that way. I don't know why the coaching staff didn't use him that way. I don't understand it. I, I'm not going to go and try to figure it all out, and I can't promise you it will change. But my gut tells me that you have that player. You've seen what he can do. Don't question anything else. Just figure that the coaching you know, is going to have to come through for you. Like I said, consider Philip Lindsay in a first and third round back. Consider him getting a lot more catches than he did last year. Um, and don't worry about Royce Freeman. And I think that that's really where you can put his value. Now, can he get hurt? Sure. Are running backs overpriced? Yes. You know, I talked about Joe Mixon. And I'll get back to him in a second uh, because I looked on Twitter to kind of get a price gauge and found out, Probably won't be buying a lot of Joe Mixon this year just because, man, everybody loves him, Joe Mixon already. He is, his price is very high. So, you know, it's just one of these things where I like him. I would love to get some shares of Joe Mixon. I think he's going to be catching balls. Uh, I think this new offense might be really good for him. And he's shown uh, the potential to break out, but he hasn't broken out yet. And yet now his value as it is breakout value uh, would mean I would sell him, but I'm certainly not going to spend all the resources that I've seen uh, being offered up to get Joe Mixon. Anyway, back to Justice Hill. So the thing that's really intrigued me about Justice Hill is not only do I see some skill set on the field, the film really shows a dynamic runner, a guy who could catch the ball, uh, just explosive, big plays, uh, somebody who's progressed in his career. Also, you know, the numbers, that the, the combines show that he's got all of those things. They match up with the film. Um, all the scouting, all the different things that I, like guys I trust and listen to have a lot of positive things to say. Um, some of my favorite guys aren't super high on him, but, you know, like I said, there's, I think they're also, a lot of times people are judging them compared to an ideal back and I'm not I'm not going to hold him to that standard as long as I can get him and this is where it all comes back around where he's going right now which is a lot of times in the second round if he creeps his way into the first round right now like guys like Miles Sanders and stuff have done that then it's comparably I'll probably I would probably take the shot on Miles Sanders especially if I see where they land in, in that situation is 
is helpful. So I think, you know, if I can get him in the second round, uh, preferably in a later second round, probably wouldn't happen. But, you know, mid-second round, running back's just so valuable, and he is one of the more hyped ones. Um, so, But I, w- I think I would pay the mid-round second, maybe even early round second, if a lot of my favorite guys are off the board and I need running back help. Um, I think there's a, there's a chance that he can be a real stud. Um, but then again, we have to remember that we're running backs. They're running backs. So that's where I, I just – there's very few running backs I'm willing to pay that first-round pick for this year. I think this is a good year to stock up on wide receivers. Um, even a little bit of the tight ends, I think, on the upper – I never like spending high first round picks. I've seen, you know, I'll just I continue to sidetrack here, but this is the way I do this podcast. I was just listening. I think it was a Dynasty Happy Hour. Uh, they were doing like their mock draft, and, and it was pretty shocking to me some of the places where like Noah Fant and Hawkinson were going top five, top six players, uh, pushing down guys like AJ Brown and Paris Campbell. I was like, oh wow, this if this happens, yes, this is what I want. This is okay, good, you know, and that's where I say. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I like to do that partially just to learn what other people are, are learning. You know, what other people are deciding um, their input is going to is going to sway them this way or that. But to tie a, a nice little bow on this segment, uh, so yeah, I, two two hype train guys, guys are getting a lot of attention. Uh, Daryl Henderson not not willing to pay the ticket price, and uh, Justice Hill, as for now, willing to pay the ticket price. And that's that's the key to this. This really the ticket price. Um, but both of the guys, I, I think it would be tough. Even if Daryl Henderson dropped down to where Justice Hill is going, I think I would still take Justice Hill. And uh, so for me, that that's, I'm much stronger on my out on Daryl Henderson, I think, than I am on my in on Justice Hill. And that has more to do with just like it's the, the running backs and how much I really want to put into running backs this year. Okay, so on to the second segment. This is a really interesting one, and I'm excited to do this. Um, as I've, I don't, have a lot of followers on Twitter. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. In fact, the only thing I use Twitter for oftentimes is just to look for news. And I, I scroll through a lot of the trade things. A lot of people will post little uh, things to say, hey, this guy or that and this guy package or this guy and that guy. And then you vote and you kind of see what the rest of the vote is. And I've always just kind of like scrolled through and voted. Um, and I had this epiphany as I was kind of trying to you know, talking about Joe Mixon yesterday and trying to figure out, well, where do I value him? Because he's the reason I mentioned him and just kind of came in the top of my head was because he's a guy that I thought maybe I'd be targeting him this year. There's certain guys that have been popping in my head going, maybe I'm going to target him. I only have one league that I can trade in right now, and I really don't want to do much trading in that league because it's I have a, a really good team and I have all my draft picks, and I just feel like I'm much better settled just, just kind of wait and let everything play out. I don't. There's not a whole lot of moves I'm dying to make. Um, so with my, all my other leagues, we haven't even got them up and rolling. I don't have an opportunity uh, to, to go and make deals. But I am trying to start planning this thing out and what I've discovered. And one thing I want to say is I want to give a shout-out to Super Dupaflex on Twitter. Thank you, man. Um, you're maybe the first person on Twitter. You are the first person on Twitter to stand up and just say, hey, I like this guy. I appreciate his podcast. So that really means a lot to me. I won't forget that. And uh, just a shout-out to you. Thank you for all the support for everybody who gives me reviews and everything. It does mean a lot to me. I'm trying uh, to give you something. It's fun for me. I really enjoy this. Like for all of this stuff that I'm doing, um, sometimes it's I'm learning while I'm teaching. It's not about just teaching because for me, I'm actually doing this to try to learn more. I'm not, you know, I kind of do it on the fly sometimes where I'm just experimenting with stuff. And I don't know exactly what I'm going to find from it. But one thing I did discover with this Twitter is really a great resource for us uh, in terms of finding out where that anchor is. If you didn't listen to my past podcast, if you don't love social psychology and trade talk, I get it. You may not want to hear it, but I am going to be mentioning a lot of this, so you may want to go back and check it out. And I have a lot of other past podcasts with a lot of social psychology stuff. It's worth your. I'm, I'm, I will mention things again, but I'm not going to go and, and make my old listeners listen uh, to 
podcast again of the same exact stuff. So I'm going to have to kind of move on from some of it and try to just point it out. And it's up to you whether you want to follow along or not. But the anchor, the thing about an anchor that I talked about in the last podcast is it's a really valuable thing in negotiation when you set this early price and set it high and kind of start the negotiation from there. The trick is, is trying to find what's a good anchor. You know, where can I find what's a good anchor to buy this price? And for certain players I'm looking for, or certain players that um, I may value, um, how do I know what's a good price for them? How do I know where to buy that? And so I had this epiphany where I was kind of playing on Twitter, looking for Joe Mixon and realizing how expensive he was. And I realized, you know what? All I need to do is search for guys I like, kind of find a value. And I, some of you might have been like, duh, Sonny, you know, we do this all the time. You might already have this in practice. You probably do. Uh, for me, it's, it's, I'm trying to put it in together with my action. Because a lot of times what I do is I don't look at, I, I don't look at trade calculators. I, mean, I, I value players how I value them. And I try not to get too caught up in putting numbers on players. I think it, it can really screw you up. You can make some big mistakes. Uh, because year to year, if you actually went back and looked at each trade calculator's numbers for a guy, and then the next year and the next year, essentially they're giving you a number of his past production. They're not giving you a number of what he's going to do in the future. And that's very dangerous. Um, you know, sometimes they calculate in a little, some projection. A lot of times they'll have somewhat projection, but those projections can be very wrong as well. So it's just a lot of iffy stuff going on with that i'd much rather just use my knowledge of football and my you know my gut whatever it is that gut is um use that to decide because you know that's the other thing about dynasty football and fantasy football is we're really the biggest part of fun is being able to make those decisions and you want to be able to make a decision with with kind of conviction and and it's not always easy to do with all these things going on when i looked at this twitter thing i realized okay this gives me some real – I can have an opportunity to start setting boundaries and start – come in, like I said, prepared for the negotiation. So what I did is I, I spotted a couple guys as I was scrolling through. I spotted a couple of trades that kind of stood out to me, and I thought either I liked one side or another. And either way, they allowed me to kind of go from there. So I'm just going to try to spell out to you what I did and see if you can't follow along with me and see where I got some information. So it, one thing I was scrolling along, and I saw this uh, tweet that said Godwin or Ridley, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, and I thought well, that's interesting. And I, I thought to myself, who do I like better? Who would I probably want? It's pretty close for me. I think I'll probably side on the side of Ridley. And I took Ridley, and forty-two percent of people agreed with me, and fifty-eight percent of people liked Chris Godwin. And immediately, kind of a light went off in my head, and I said, well, I got shares of Chris Godwin, and I'd like to add a few more shares of Calvin Ridley, maybe, especially if I could add value on top of that. Let me just go type in. So what I did is then I tweeted at my fantasy league um, a trade idea to so that I could get feedback on that trade. So because they have twenty five thousand followers or something, and anybody who sees that and does the same thing I do, they go and push on. Oh, I'll vote for that one. I vote for that one. It gives me feedback on exactly what I needed to know. So I went in there and I put Chris Godwin and two twelve, and I'll tell you why I put two twelve in a second for Calvin Ridley, Kalen Balage, and Chris Herndon. So the way I looked at it is I paid 212 last year for Kalen Balazs, and I have some shares of him, and I'd like to add some shares of Kalen Balazs. So I figured, well, if I put 212 and Kalen Balazs, who I now value probably more than that 212, especially in a weak running back class, um, I feel like that that gives me some value right there. I'm getting Kalen Balazs. And then add Chris Herndon on there, a guy that's kind of, a, in some minds, kind of a throw-in, but also some people really value him. It's just hard to really gauge uh, where he's valued, but he could be a really nice asset, especially when he showed so much rapport with, with Sam Darnold. I just think, okay, that's a, a nice little up-and-coming tight end piece there. I could get that thrown in. I could get Kalen Balage at a better value, and I could get Calvin Ridley, who I prefer over Chris Godwin. Let me see how, and let me throw that out there and see uh, what the reaction is. 
and immediately it kind of come up, started coming back Ridley, but then it kind of balanced out. And, and what it balanced out to was 58% to the ridley Bellage herndon side and 42% to the Godwin side. Now you might think, okay, that's a good good start, or we need you you need no, that's not enough. That means I haven't set my anchor high enough. That's fine, that's good, but that means I could probably even ask for more. Because what I let's give I'm gonna give you another example and maybe we'll come back to this. So another thing I came across is I saw a post that said Jarvis Landry in two one or Corey Davis one nine and two nine. And I was like, holy crap, of course I want Corey Davis 1-9 and 2-9 over Jarvis Landry and 2-1. So I hit the Corey Davis 1-9-2-9. What do I see? I see 77% of people agree with me and 23% of people don't agree with me. And that's where I say, that is, that's the place. That's the anchor. That is where you want to set your anchor. Because, yeah, you say 77% of the people didn't agree with you, but that means one in four people, almost one out of four people would have accepted that trade. If you wanted Corey Davis and you have Jarvis Landry and you're looking for a place to set a high price that you really feel like is a good value, then get something close to that. Say, I'll offer you Jarvis Landry in 2-1 for Corey Davis 1-9 and 2-9. Most people are going to say no, but one-fourth of people are going to say yes, and those people that don't say yes are going to still be influenced by that because now you've set that anchor high you have a high anchor set so you don't have to get that value for it but that's the starting point so now you reverse it back to well personally i'd prefer to have Corey davis over jarvis landry probably straight up and that is just me and if you listen to my podcast you know i shoot for the stars a lot of times but i do believe he's a great player i do like jarvis landry and i have shares of jarvis landry but i think jarvis landry um, is at his cap value um, he's not. There's there's not going to be a potential for him to be a top twelve wide receiver. Most likely, he's almost guaranteed to be just pretty much a solid number two, and he has potential to drop to a three or have certain games of being a one. But I would say he's pretty much solidly a two. And Corey Davis has that potential to be a number one. Now, I'm not stoked on Marcus Mariota. I have concerns about what they're going to do, and that might be something that that's why it's driving his price down. But I am a little bit of a betting man, especially when it's a bet that I believe in or a bet that I think has some value. And if I can get value on top of that, where so I went, okay, so then I, this was what I found interesting. So then I found another trade with Corey Davis, and it was just Corey Davis for the 1-5. And so then we just talked about Corey Davis 1-9 and 2-9 for Jarvis Landry. So that, that I think that devalued the picks in a way. Now you got Corey Davis straight up for 1-5, and it's 66% for Corey Davis, which is expected um, maybe – but when you see how they faded him in that last trade, and then you see that the one five, so it's, it, it kind of lends um, just some perspective on how people value picks just straight up, or how they value them when they're packaged in with players. This is all stuff we can learn from. This is all stuff that I'm going to keep doing. We're going to keep doing these podcasts um, because I'm excited. I can't wait to be actually be able to start making trade offers with this stuff. I'm, I'm mad. I almost feel like joining some new leagues um, just so I can go and start throwing out some of these ideas but i have to draft first and all that so it's like ah, i don't, i got I don't, i'm doing I, it's more fun to just kind of like start preparing that's the thing it seems boring sometimes to do all this preparation but it makes you that much uh, more clear on what you want to do and, and what you're looking for and it makes it that much easier to not get caught up in the mess um, when you actually have purpose and know when something fits or something doesn't fit what you're actually trying to do so anyway back to the Corey davis so then i i went ahead and did another one of these posts where i thought okay what what 
Obviously, that's probably asking too much, but let me see if I can get something that's brought it in a little closer. So maybe find my lower, maybe my base, or find something closer to the middle um, so that I, I'm accepting the fact that three out of four people aren't going to accept this, but where else could I get? What, so I put Corey Davis and 2019 first, 1-7, um, or Jarvis Landry in a 2019 second, 2-5. So essentially getting a trade up so you get Corey Davis and you move up around so you move up from the second round to the first round not a full round but close and uh, people started voting on that and it came back 67 to 33 so Corey Davis side still won still 67 percent of people but a little less than the 25 percent now it's 30 or a little more than 25 it's 33 percent now would take the Jarvis Landry side so there's still one out of three people that would take that deal straight up if you just said I'll give you Jarvis Landry in a second for Corey Davis in a first um, and then there's other people that would work slowly down from that. So like I say, if you're like me, where you really might just take Corey Davis straight up for Jarvis Landry, uh, then you might, you're probably not going to even have to be stuck on that. You might even move down and just take an extra second or whatever, depending on what they value. It might be a throw-in player. It might be an IDP player plus a pick. There's so much to work with here, and, and I'm just getting started. I just wanted to give you a couple examples uh, to kind of show how this works in real practice uh, rather than just giving you, you know, just kind of throwing it out there saying, hey, this is an idea. You know, put your head around it and do your best. It's like here, no, this is an idea, and here is a resource in Twitter uh, that can really make that happen and allow you to get some real feedback. Because I think some of these things had hundreds of votes, a hundred votes on it. Uh, within a couple hours, I was able to get a pretty decent number of. Uh, and these are people that play dynasty football. People that vote on this stuff aren't people, and maybe some people are just screwing around and kind of messing with those numbers. But not me. I like to vote and kind of see where. I like that they don't tell you beforehand, so you kind of see. How it stands, and if you—that's another thing that you can use—is if you're going down those voting things, and you find something that you vote on one side, and it's large on the other side, that is a huge opportunity for you. Don't look at that as like, "Oh man, I must be wrong. I must be stupid." Look at it as, "Wow, this guy nobody values him, or this other guy they really value, and I should go ask for that guy plus plus a lot or whatever to try to gain some value off that." If you really, if you really felt that way, you know, and, and you're on the 33% side, then you know. Yeah, maybe you should look at your player negotiation skills as well. If you're a lot of the times, if too many times out of, you know, I'd say if, if the majority of the time you're on that, that low-end spectrum, then you might want to consider uh, re-looking at your, who, who you're listening to. Um, and if that's me, then sorry. But at the same time, like I said, if you also have to look at it as value opportunities too, especially if you feel like the majority of the time you're right and a few times you're wrong, uh, then those few times you're wrong, you may not be wrong. You may just have a huge opportunity to gain some huge value. So that is pretty much it. I don't have a lot more to say. Thank you uh, again to Super Duper Flex uh, for the shout out on Twitter. And if you guys want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Big Knowledge FO1. That's Big Knowledge Football. Um, while I don't do a lot, I'm not real promotive on there and don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, I will probably be using this resource. And uh, if you want to find me, I'm there. If you want to email the show, you can reach me at BigKnowledgeFootball at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to support the show, that'd be great. You can give five-star reviews on iTunes or subscribe uh, wherever that it may be. And thank you so much for listening, and talk to you soon.